every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. You know, I was talking to our great producer, Josh Macri, and we we always say we get tons and tons of good mail, a lot of draft nerds out there who know these guys, are asking questions about tight ends that could go in round three, and, you know, we, we always push it to the back of the show, and so today... Kind of in between mocks, and we got a stack of of good questions. So Mel and Todd, if you're game, we're just gonna we're gonna hit the mailbag hard here. Okay, um, good idea. Let's do. It. Let's pay it off. All right. Battle of the linebackers. Mel gets started. Nick Allen at Nick Six says, "Can you explain why Devin White is considered to be a better prospect than Devin Bush?" Well, I mean, he had a great career at LSU. He was a former running back. He can, he ran that incredible 40 as Bush did. Bush ran first and White ran at the end and barely got Bush. They both ran phenomenal 40s. They're both great football players who are very instinctive. And, you know, Bush, I think the size factor that people think more late first round for him, where Devin White's more of a, of a 8 to 15 guy, where I think Bush is considered more of a, 15 to 30 guy but there are very little separating those two I've given White the edge throughout his career and I kept it that way Todd didn't change it but they're both I think ideally suited because of their speed and their range and their football savvy and getting to the football and making tackles and being three down guys both those kids are ideally suited for today's NFL yeah, I love both of these players the tape and then sitting down and meeting with Devin White and just listening to his passion and love for the game and talking to Don Brown, the Michigan defensive coordinator, and, and the, the coaching staff there, and how much they appreciate Devin Bush and what he's done from a leadership standpoint. I mean, these guys love the game. They, they do it the right way. They both have great instincts. They're both, as we confirmed after studying the tape of them at the combine, they, they come out and confirm how fast they are and how athletic they both are. And I think, I think probably one of the differences, if you were to really nitpick, I think Devin White from LSU is a little bit bigger, plays a little bit bigger, a little bit better at the point of attack, getting off of blocks and those sorts of things. It's not a huge difference, but you look at the combine numbers and I think White kind of bulked up a little bit, or uh, Bush bulked up a little bit, and the the weight was not a huge difference. But I think that when it's all said and done, that Devin White plays at a little bit bigger and, and uh, a little bit stronger at the point of attack. Mel, that's a rare chance for you to shout out that you scouted you scouted a dad and you didn't you didn't you didn't jump on that. Well, I've said it enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got a, an interesting one here, Mish at JP Mish. What player could slip down the board and might be enticing enough for Dorsey and the Browns to jump back late into round one? Mel, what do you think? Late into round one for well, Dorsey. Well, it's just to interesting jump. because the, you know the Browns. Even after all these moves, the Browns still, you know, they still have their eight picks. They still have five. They still have three fifth round picks. They they have a little bit of ability to pop around. Yeah, Browns fans. Browns fans need to relax. They're they're, they're uncomfortable excited, right Todd. now. They're, well, they're not used to this. No, I mean, usually it's it's September. I start getting the phone calls from from local radio, you know, radio. Uh, <laughs> stations in Cleveland and, and they're ready to go for the upcoming draft. And now, yeah. you know, they've had two, it feels like they've had two first round picks every year for the last 10 years. 
And now all of a sudden they're in good shape. And Browns fans don't even know what to do. Yeah, their first round pick this year is a guy named Odell Beckham Jr. Right. You're okay. You got it. What do you, but do you, in, in a broad sense, Melda, what do you, they got eight picks. What else are you, as you just kind of nitpick what has become a quite impressive roster in terms of top end talent? What are you looking at? Well, you think about adding Richardson and, and Vernon on a D line to go along with Miles Garrett, who's phenomenal. Got a lot Roger of Joby. I mean, they really have a heck of a roster if they can keep these guys healthy. Yeah. Now Callaway becomes the third guy. Now you have Landry and Beckham. You're set there in Joku. You look at the line, the left tackle with Robinson and, and Harrison. We'll see how that settles in. Corbett should start at guard. Okay. Who they drafted the top pick in the second round last year. You're always looking for secondary help. They drafted Ward last year. And people say, well, they should have taken Chubb. Well, if they would have taken Chubb, they would have needed the corner now. They, you know, they drafted Ward and they went out and got Vernon. Uh, yeah, the safety position this year, and I had a, a GM tell me this week, Todd, that there will be more safeties drafted in the first two rounds in cornerbacks. That this safety group with Hooker at Iowa, Harris at Boston College, Savage at Maryland, all running so well. And then you yep. have Willis at Michigan State, who people like Abram Thompson at Alabama, Thornhill at Virginia is moving up. Rap depends on his 40, whether it's a first or second round pick. There's a lot Adderley at Delaware. There's, I got Chauncey ten, Gardner from yeah, Florida. Ten, ten safeties, Todd, with second or first round grades. And yeah, the corner is Marquise not bad Blair either. from Utah is another one too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a loaded position this year, and there's going to be a lot of guys in that second round. You could see, one, two, three, four, you could see seven safeties, maybe eight safeties going round two. Yeah, I've got 12 in the first three rounds right now. Mm-hmm. Todd, does that, but to the safety position, that doesn't just speak to, hey, these guys are good and they're running fast. It speaks to versatility, doesn't it? I think so, and I think it also speaks to what what's Nichols. happening in the NFL. Yeah. It's just kind of the trend of, Teams, you know, offensively trying to find some matchup pieces and guys who are bigger slot receivers, some you know tight ends that aren't traditional that are either can be flexed out from the Y to that F spot or make their living in the slot. I mean, you almost have to grade them. I, I personally grade them differently and then have to mesh them together just for our structure. But you're basically looking at big slot receivers and then you're looking at tight ends that can play in line. And so when you have a league that is going more and more towards that and running backs too. Don't forget that we're seeing every year. Remember it was a drought on running backs. We had the two years without a first round running back. Now all of a sudden the past few years, we've seen guys going in the top five. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had, we've had a lot of big time players, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, all the big names the last few years, teams have got to find ways to stay in some sort of base defense which has become nickel, five defensive backs, and still be able to play the run, but to do it and match up when when teams come out and say, you know what, I'm going to take this tight end that was in line last play and move him out, and now you got to find a way to cover him. And that's really what the whole you know, chess match has become, is trying to figure out ways to have those kind of athletic guys in a league that's just not as physical in the trenches anymore. It's more about getting into space. And one thing about the combine, too, and Todd, in the pro days, and more so combine, is it provides opportunities for teams to get players who didn't run as well as people thought. Now, all of a sudden, they get bumped down a little bit, and that provides, like I say, that opportunity for a team that may not have a two, may not have a three, but all of a sudden, in the fourth round, there's a guy there. Maybe second round, there's a guy that you had a first. DeAndre Baker, Georgia, heck of a player. Doesn't run great. Where does DeAndre Baker go now? Devin Singletary, we've talked a lot about at Florida Atlantic, great player. 
runs 4.66. Now, all of a sudden, instead of being a second-round pick, does it become a third, fourth, fifth-round pick? How, do, how much does he drop? Then he provides opportunity. And there's a lot of kids. I think Caden Smith-Stanford, the tight end, good, solid football player. Doesn't run great, but he's a good player. He doesn't go second. Does he go third, fourth? I think that's where these 40 times, if they're good football players, can benefit teams. They, they can get them maybe at a bargain point. If they don't have a pick in a certain round, he may drop into that into their hands when they didn't think prior to the combine that even have a chance to select them at all. And just to give a little perspective on what you were saying, just the last three years, the average, we've had nine corners taken in the first two rounds on average mm-hmm. versus six safeties. Mm-hmm. And then nine safeties in the first three rounds versus 15 corners. So yeah. it mm-hmm. would be significant if mm-hmm. we if all of a sudden that, that script flipped. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, a lot of questions have come in about kind of the tier two of the quarterbacks because there has been such a focus on Kyler, uh, Haskins, who throws tomorrow. Todd, you'll be there. And then obviously Drew Locke has certainly pushed himself in. Some of the kind of the, the mystery meat I'm interested to hear about is Jarrett Stidham and obviously Ryan Finley. Todd, uh, Bill Shannon asks, in reviewing some of these guys, Stidham and Finley, a couple he calls out, do you see any of these guys that look like future starters if if we're not put into a, a play-right-away scenario? I think Ryan Finley, personally, is the, the fourth-best qu- uh, quarterback. I think he's a little bit of a better athlete than people give him credit for. You know, Everyone now is going back and looking in high school basketball, and you watch the tape, and he's, he's not great at – extending plays but he's adequate and I think that's better than what people think um, he's got a little bit of a better arm than people think and most importantly he he throws with timing touch he's you know can place the ball knows how to lead receivers and, and throw them open and you know just watching the tape I mean it's frustrating because they've got all these guys that allegedly are going to be high draft picks or the first few rounds. But you watch the Clemson game, he's got a wide open receiver that he throws a beautiful ball down in um, Harmon and he, and it's could not be dropped in any softer yeah. or more perfectly placed. And it's a, a drop. It could have been touchdown. Now all of a sudden it's like 21 to nothing and, and the game's out of control. But the, the drops that he had from his receiving core were frustrating to watch on tape. I think he's going to be a starter in the league. I don't know that it's going to be right away. I think he's probably the most NFL-ready of these guys. But the thing that Kyler Murray brings that some of these other guys don't is that he can play right away because even if he's struggling with their progression reads and all those different things, if the play breaks down or if he breaks it down because he just didn't know what he was looking at, he can get out of the pocket and and make something happen. I think teams are looking more and more for that kind of – elusiveness and an ability to extend plays from the quarterback early in their career when they're just trying to figure out the the mental portions of it. Yeah, and I would say this, just to go back to quarterbacks, Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick, guys like that that weren't expected to be necessarily great, especially Fitzpatrick coming out of Harvard. McCown was always a backup starter, but more of a career backup. That's what I think you're going to get from these guys. They're going to have opportunities to start. Finley will. Daniel Jones. If he wouldn't just dip that head in the pocket, I think he could learn. It would be a great spot if he could go to New England and learn from Brady. Um, 
but he makes some outstanding throws. He's not a workout guy, and people will bump him if they see him at a workout where he's unimpressive, whether it be the combine pro days, whatever. That's not him. Uh, you know, he's and he's not practice at the Senior Bowl. When the game rolled around, he did well. So I, I I'm, I'll go and Todd made the point of saying Finley is the fourth because he knows Jones. I would say is my fourth guy. So I'll go Jones at four. Todd has Finley. I have Finley at five. I think the guy that people are bumping up. Because they know this is a thing, Todd. That I, I get, I get really disgusted when I hear a lot of people over the years talk about players and define them when they were hurt and act like, "Well, I don't care about that. He he, he didn't play well. Well, if he's hurt, he's not going to play as well as he will when he's healthy." And, and there's a lot of guys, and you got to be careful with football. All these guys are playing with something. What in, injury impacted them more? Then maybe an injury impacted somebody else. And once they get healthy, they're clearly a different player. And I think Clayton Thorson at Northwestern, to come back from that bowl game injury, they were going to have a pitch count on him. That's why Green got in there. And mm-hmm. he gutted it out. And he's a guy that they have great respect for. Fitzgerald raves about. Clayton Thorson is a guy people just kind of discounted this year. Said, hey, he's not very good. That guy, he played hurt. And I think when you look at how high you want to bump him up, I could see him coming off the board when we get into day three on Saturday, Todd, in that fourth mm-hmm. round. I could see I Clayton Thorson being a guy when people reassess the board, say we're not going to get much much of a different situation here with Thorson in the fourth as some people will get with Jones and Finley earlier. So I'm going to go on record as saying Clayton Thorson goes a little higher than people think. You know, Todd might have been there, but if you go back, Clayton Thorson, I agree with him. He got lost a little. If you go back when Clayton Thorson was a sophomore at Northwestern, and watch him against Ohio State defense that has, has about nine NFL players on it. You know the secondary was loaded. So we're talking, I don't know, what is this, 2017 or 2016 even? 16, Clayton Thorson yep. in Columbus, he was throwing some darts. And you just, Mel, I might have talked to you after that game. I was like, this, mm-hmm. this is, he's going to be a guy if he stays healthy. Sure enough, he did not stay healthy. Yeah, and in, in 2017, I had him against Penn State live. And they got, you know, they got beat up eventually. They hung yeah. around and, and they actually defensively played really well. Couldn't get it going offensively. They just didn't have the, the horses around him. But I was, I, I remember two things about that. One, being really impressed with Thorson when we sat down and met with him and just his knowledge of the game, the, the way he approaches things and just understanding what, what he's looking for. And then in the game, even though they were struggling, his toughness and bouncing up after getting getting hit after hit after hit, that's key, man. I mean, you look at the guys that succeed in the league, and one of the common traits with just about all of them is that they are mentally and physically tough. And I know quarterbacks don't get hit like they used to, but they still get hit. And there are things that go poorly, and you got a stadium, you know, working against you, and receivers yelling at you, and this, that, and the other thing. Can you handle all of that? And some guys have not had to deal with a whole lot of adversity. And I think that's one question that, you know, when you look when you look at um, at Kyler Murray and even Dwayne Haskins to a certain degree, haven't had to deal with a ton of adversity, especially Murray. I mean, Murray had what was it, twenty eight, twenty nine guys from his high school team went on to get Division One scholarships. His two offensive tackles were his starting uh, left tackle right now at Oklahoma and Greg Little, the, who's going to be another draft pick uh, at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I mean, so – and his four offensive linemen that are that are eligible are going to be drafted in the first four rounds this year, and his center is going to be the first-round pick probably a year from now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying anything negative about him. I'm just saying some guys have had to deal with a lot more – 
that can help you out at the next level. Yeah, now one thing, I think the games, Todd, if you had to just get the two games on those, Murray against Alabama. They fall behind big, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have Hollywood Brown, and how did he react to that? And it wasn't a blowout. Agreed. It became a, a challenging game for Alabama, and Nick Saban to get a few more gray hairs watching Murray, saying, I'm glad we got that lead early, because we were probably lost. I, I still game. haven't seen any. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. I don't know what he's doing. I got to talk to Nick about that. But as far as, uh, you know, the, the other one was, and you were, I don't know if you were at this game, but you had read the Texas Penn State Tech. game, the Penn State game for, um, for Haskins when oh, they were oh, down okay. and then he yep. brought them back in the last six, seven minutes to get two touchdowns and pull that game out at Happy Valley. So they, they didn't have a lot of it, for, but when they did, they dealt with it effectively in those two games, Haskins at Happy Valley and Murray against Alabama. So yeah, I agree. You don't have a lot of sample size on that, but those two games showed that they have the that you're looking for when uh, things aren't going their way. I would think Thorson would just get a sore knee wading through the grass at Ryan Field. Fitzgerald lets him grow it like a foot high. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> Slowing everybody down, I guess. Hey, guys, there's 67 I questions about the Giants and Dave Gettleman, so we got to take one. Todd, <laughs> I'm sensing some frustration uh, around that team. Todd, do you think, Dom, Dom Mack asked, do you think there's a realistic shot the Giants just flat out punt at QB in the first round and just try to bolster the defense? Uh, here's how I try to look at it. Okay. I, and uh, Gary Horton, who got me started in this business, he, this was one of the first lessons he taught me. And uh, listen, it, it doesn't always work, but it's something to keep in mind when, when everyone's pointing out the negative. These guys didn't wake up and you know in the morning and decide, hey, how can I screw this up? They they think they have a plan. So what what is it? What are they trying to do? I'm having a hard time figuring it out, just like everybody else. But my plan would be this: I got Saquon Barkley last year. I don't think anyone can complain about it. Obviously, you can talk about getting a quarterback and starting with that, and I get it. And that's what I said at the time that I probably would do. I would have taken Sam Darnold if I could have. It's hard, though. I mean, with what Barkley did, even though he's a running back and it's hard to build around that guy if you're looking at a three-, four-year project, but what he did was just remarkable. So I don't think anyone's upset about it. You've got a 38-year-old quarterback in Eli Manning. This is the year, drafting at six, you've got to plan on not being in the top ten for the next several years mentally, and so this is the year you've got to get it done. So now that you've got extra draft capital, if you will, you've got to find a way to package picks and go up and get the guy. Who's the guy? Is it Kyler? Is it Haskins? Whoever they think that guy is, they've got to identify him, and they've got to find a way to go get him. And if it means trading up to one and talking the Cardinals out of drafting a quarterback there or or taking the bait with the Cardinals, if that's what Arizona's really doing, which I'm not sure, to be quite honest, then I think you've got to do it. But if they, if we get out of Thursday night, Mel, and all of a sudden it's midnight and we're getting ready to get up in five more hours for another, for a 12 hour day on Saturday and the Giants don't have a quarterback. I, I'm going to be shaking my head and I'm going to be agreeing and I'm going to throw the Gary Horton theory of they didn't wake up in the morning trying to figure out a way to screw it up because then they've screwed it up. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what Gary said is, is true. They, the teams aren't trying to, no GM's trying to, but sometimes you just don't push the right buttons. And you're not always going to. Success one place doesn't guarantee a GM is successful in another place. We've seen that with some really good evaluators, okay, over the years that do a great job one place. Say, let's bring him in. He's going to build. And he doesn't. John Dorsey has, is doing it in Cleveland. Chris Ballard, who was in Kansas City with John Dorsey, is doing it in Indy because they're mm-hmm. pushing the right buttons. Dorsey's making all the right moves. Uh, you think about Ballard last year, not taking 
Roquan Smith taking Quentin Nelson, then gambling that Darius Leonard would be there, and it worked out perfectly. Back when Miami and Bill Parcell said, ah, we'll take Jake Long because I can get Chad Henney with more experience rather than Matt Ryan. Didn't work out for Bill Parcells, and that spelled doom when you don't get the right quarterback. You get Henny, you don't get Matt Ryan. Okay, When you take Barkley over the quarterback, yeah, Barkley's great, but where are the Giants right now? They're, they're a team that doesn't have a lot of hope. If you look at where Buffalo is with Josh Allen, where the Jets are with Sam Darnold, where Cleveland is with Baker Mayfield, where even Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, they have great hope now that they got quarterbacks that can win football games in the NFL. They've all proven they can do that. So I think you're, you, you got to always, if you, if, if the quarterback is close to that running back and great or right, you got to take the quarterback. And I don't care how great that running back is, but his plan last year, I'm talking about Gettleman, was to take the running back, help Eli Manning, mm-hmm. and make a two, three year run with a better line with Nate Solder, which didn't work out. Okay. Again, pushing the right buttons didn't happen. They had things didn't, didn't come up big for them and it didn't work. That plan went awry. So that plan's gone. You scrapped that plan. It didn't work. Now they got to try to figure it all out again. And I don't have a problem with the Beckham thing. Beckham's, Beckham's got to get back to what he did at LSU and just play football. And I think he'll do that in Cleveland with Landry and that, that different culture there. But I think for Gettleman, yeah, they got to look at Haskins or our court. If they only hasn't find enough, whoever, if it's Locke, who it's it got to figure out and identify who they believe is the heir apparent to Eli Manning. He said it. I want the Kansas City model. I want Eli for one year like it was with Alex Smith with Mahomes, and I want the guy we draft this year to be like Mahomes, sit, watch, and learn, and then be our guy. Well, if he's saying that, if he's going to go to that model, then you better draft that guy high this year. And i got to believe, Todd, i got to believe it's a quarterback in round one. Tell you what, Mel, the reality is is – the New York Giants, we haven't said this for a while, the New York Giants are tied with the Patriots who always load up on comp picks. Giants have 12 total picks in these seven rounds, and it's not it's it's not crazy backloaded. Obviously, there's two in round one, two in round four, three in round five. So there's at least a possibility. I don't think it'll you'll be clapping your hands for them, but they, they could be one of those teams that's in play for a Thorson type, a Greer type. In that fifth round, too, if they don't get it in round one, um, I don't think you're going to be giving them a pat on the back if that's the case. But, again, they they certainly have the chance to maneuver, really do what they want on the board. All right, let's get to some of these, uh, some of the diehard questions, some of the nerdy questions. I'll give you one. we got to let Todd take this one. Paul Moss, 78, where do you project wide receiver Penny Hart, Todd's guy, and running back Ty Johnson going in? I like Penny Hart. Now, he wasn't invited to the combine. Crazy. He's, he's an undersized guy coming out of Georgia State. He's a, you know, classic slot receiver. I, I just think he's tough. I think he'll, he'll go over the middle. He finds a way to get open. He's, you know, a New England Patriot type, that, that kind of guy where he's just, he does all the dirty work and, and even though he's undersized, he finds a way to get open. And, and I just, to me, Penny Hart is is going to be a value. He's probably going to be a day three pick because we've got you know it's not a great receiver class, but there is depth. You know you got Marquise Brown and DK Metcalf, Oklahoma and Mississippi. You got AJ Brown also from Ole Miss. Paris Campbell has helped himself from Ohio State running so well. Debo Samuel has you know the injury stuff and is he staying in shape? But coming out of South Carolina, he's 
he's one of the two or three most talented players in this class at wide receiver. Nikhil Harry, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Riley Ridley, Hakeem Butler, all big physical receivers. Kelvin Harmon from NC State as well. So I just ripped off 10 guys right there that are probably going to be in the first, at least the first 100 picks, but certainly the first, um, you know, but likely the first two, two and a half rounds. And so Penny Hart probably gets to, to round four. But I think he's going to be a really good value. He, guys like him and Andy Isabella from, from UMass, Kuiper's guy. I don't know how he's Kuiper's guy, even though I'm, I live a couple hours drive away from him. Uh, Jalen Hurd, Terry McLaurin. There's a, there's a lot of guys on, on day two that look like it could be slot receivers or provide some versatility. And I, I think Hart is one of them and he's been overlooked to this point. Yeah. Penny Hart also has punt return ability. Another receiver that, that you can't sleep on. And I like this mid-American mm-hmm. conference, Todd, in the Toledo Rockets, Deontay Johnson. I mean, a kid can run. He's competitive. Yep. He's quicker than he is fast. He's got great punt return ability, good hands, Miami kid. I think Deontay Johnson, if he's there in the third, fourth round, I'm jumping on Deontay Johnson. He's one of my guys, Todd. When I, whenever he goes, give me Deontay Johnson. I'll go. I just love the kid. I think he could be a steal in this draft. And Ty Johnson, the kid out of Maryland, not invited to the combine. Uh, you know, has had some really impressive games, has some outside speed. He averaged six four a carry two years ago. I mean, he's got some ability. This is a kid that's got a chance as a, again, late rounder priority free agent to make a football team and at least uh, has some mm-hmm. contributions down the road. I really like the thought of Mel just destroying a chair, rocking and watching Maction on a Tuesday night. Toledo Bowling Green hyped up, <laughs> calling Todd, calling me, calling Dane. Fired up. Hey, Mel, one of the wide receivers you two didn't mention, again, we're going into the uh, the nerd pile here, the draft nerd pile. Luke Dillard asks, how high could Wake wide receiver Greg Dortch go? Where's a good fit? Well, he's been healthy. Uh, and you think about Wake Forest in the passing game, and you got to kind of earn your receptions. I think when you look at when he's been 100% out there making plays, and that hasn't always been the case, he's been a, a kind of a dynamic presence for that Wake Forest offense. And, yeah, he's got returnability as well, and I think that's the thing. We don't talk about kick returns. We hear about punt returns, and that's where I think you can have some value early on. And I think that will be as a fourth, fifth receiver. you got to do some things on special teams. If you can't, you can't be a fourth, fifth receiver in this mm-hmm. league, Todd. And that's where, again, people look at that and say, why didn't why didn't why wasn't he active on game day? You know, because he, he's not going to help you on special teams, and that's where that return ability or a, a guy that's going to be a, a tackling machine on special teams, that fourth fifth receiver, has got to be able to do that. And I think for Dorch in the return game early on, maybe he can help somebody. You know, you look at a, a Marquise Brown. We all he didn't run a forty because of the injury, and he has had injuries. But at five nine, one hundred and sixty six pounds, he's so damn explosive. It doesn't matter that you know. Even if we just use him at wide receiver and put him in the slot, we're getting value out of him. When you talk about a Penny Hart from Georgia State, as we just talked about, and, and a guy like Greg Dortch, who's 5'7", 173 pounds, with short arms, small hands, and, and didn't run a 40-yard dash because, he's like you said, Mel, he never seems to be fully healthy. He, we're not going to get that kind of value out of him, so we've got to get other value. And, and special teams is going to be critical, but then you question the fact, 5'7", 173 pounds, can he play a lot of special teams with a lot of big collisions and still, uh, you know, stay on the field? So mm-hmm. I, I think guys like that, late rounds, you hope that you hit on them. You hope they come in and they find a way to stay healthy just because they were injured in college doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be injured in the NFL. But, uh, but you, you have to, it's an odds game and you, 
it's a long shot that he's going to wind up being a, a big-time playmaker yeah. or, or a big-time offensive presence. Yeah, and keep in mind, when we talk about other receivers, and even Andy Isabella, for that matter, I'm thinking Andy Isabella's going fourth round, okay? Well, mm-hmm. you know, Wes Welker and Danny Amendola, who had very productive careers. Welker did, now he's coaching, and then Amendola's still going on here, and now he's in Detroit. Those guys weren't even drafted. They had incredible careers at Texas Tech, both of them. And they're slot guys, and they've had really, like I say, catching a ton of balls, but they were not even drafted. So, again, some of these guys that we're talking about, the Dorches and some, may not get drafted, but that doesn't mean they won't make a roster and won't have a, a nice career in the NFL. All right, Helps Tom. when you get with Brady, too. Yes, it does. Hey, uh Draft nerdy here. I really like this. We mentioned a bunch of safeties. This this guy wants to take it down a little bit more. Oz Cruz asked, who are the single high types of free safeties that you could see going? You know, he mentions into yeah. round two and three, but the, the types, yeah. the Earls, the, the guys like that, that you the really center can play yeah. center mm-hmm. field. Yeah, Earl Thompson had with 15 interceptions his first four years in the NFL. And that, again, that's the true playmaking, the center fielder playmaker. The, I thought Deontay Thompson from Alabama would be that guy this year. He was not um, that type of player. I, yeah, he was early, what, and then he, he tailed Yeah, off. he didn't do it late. He just didn't make the plays. But I think that's what teams are going to draft. The, he's thin. Yeah, you know, he's got to get a little wing. But he's he's one of those guys that you think, you hope, could be. Juan Thornhill played corner. Juan Thornhill can make plays, and he can tag. I, I like him a lot. I think he's the kind of guy can do exactly that for you. I think, but I, I look at of the guys going early. Darnell Savage can at times. He, he, he can play the slot. He can cover the side. He's a four three yep. six guy. He's a, a good. Yeah, you know, like I said, the Harris kid at BC and Hooker at Iowa both ran great. So they're going to be in, in. You know, guys. Willis is a guy that just finds a way to make his presence felt. Uh, the Curry Willis coming out of Michigan State. So again, this safety group is strong. But of the guys early, I think people are going to expect. Now I go back to you know Adrian Amos, who I watched in high school. I talked about him, Todd. He's now oh, wow. a Green Bay Packer. Jeez, he, it wouldn't be a podcast if you didn't talk. Well, about I, you know, Adrian I went ten Amos minutes for, when he's right in the third. Remember on day three, I went ten minutes on, and you got all over me. I'll I mentioned never you forget. Saturday on the radio. You never forget that ten minutes I gave Adrian Amos. Was it worth it, Todd? Was that ten minutes worth it? Hey, Adrian three? Amos. Adrian Amos just got thirty-seven million. Uh, yeah, Calvert yeah. Hall should have a new stadium. Yeah, by exactly. Right, name it, Adrian Amos. He, he almost field, got right? as much play as, as Gruden screaming about Johnny Manziel for the yeah, entire yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Me screaming at Gruden. Okay, he's not going to go here, not going to go there. But in terms of aim, Adrian's had three interceptions, okay, where, like I say, Thomas had the 15. So, again, the playmaker, that's what you want to see more of. At Green Bay will look for more out of Adrian when he got him now for that big money. And certainly I think the team that dressed Deontay Thompson out of Alabama will be looking for more of what we thought we would get this year uh, from his defensive back play at Alabama with the Crimson Tide. We are going to take a quick break here and then jump into the AFC South. Texans, Colts, Titans, and Jags. Competitive division. I don't know. Maybe the draft will decide it. We're going to jump into that after the break. The Houston Texans. Todd, I keep staring at the Houston Texans, and I keep thinking back to early last year and Deshaun Watson not really even getting to the – to get into the back foot on a five-step drop and thinking this guy's already in trouble. I keep looking at that O-line. I see the likes of Chantrell Henderson, Julian Davenport. Like some of these guys, like I know that there's some ability there, but I, I that's the number one thing I worry about. But I don't know. I might be seeing things improperly. What do you see when you look at this team and you look at needs? Again, because maybe, maybe it's, there's nobody there, a tackle that can come in and really plug and play right away. But I'm just overall wondering what you see here. Yeah, I think I think that's where you have to start. You know, Texans pick at 23. 
Um, they, they have a quarterback in Watson who is mobile and can typically extend plays and, and avoid some pressure, but he was sacked the league high 62 times. And I think offensive tackle has to be a need. I think you can continue to develop depth and competition at guard with, you know, Zach Fulton, a good starter in the league. You know, I just, to me, I think there's, there's an ability to continue to upgrade that position. So I had Cody Ford in my last mock draft going there. I think when you look at these, these offensive tackles, there's, there are different types. You got Juwan Taylor, who I think is, has the most potential of all of them in terms of the size, length, power, uh, and and he became a lot more consistent coming out of Florida this past year. Jonah Williams is uh, is to me like like Ramchek coming out of Wisconsin, who went to the Saints and his you know the short arms and everyone's worried about it, but has gone on to have a really good career with the the Saints. I think I think um, Jonah Williams coming out of Alabama is very similar. After that, I think when you get to Andre Dillard, and some people think he's the first tackle in this class coming out of I Washington don't. State. You're, I don't your boy. I'm not, I, I, I said some people. Mm-hmm. He is def, he's <laughs> probably the most clear cut athlete left tackle type, if you will. I get that part of it. So a lot of people are really high on Dillard. I think he's, I think he's okay. I think he's good. I don't think he's great, but he's a, a left tackle. Cody Ford is definitely a right tackle coming out of Oklahoma or could be bumped inside to guard. So to me, those are the four guys in the first round that you're, you're likely to hear their names called. And then for Houston, after that, when you get into the second, third, fourth rounds, I think corner, well, you know what, they, they did address it with uh, Bradley Roby, but I think they still could, you know, the secondary is still an area with corner and safety. And I think looking a little bit at running back, too, with some depth there, what do they expect to get out of Deontay Foreman, Alfred Blue uh, behind Lamar Miller? I think that's a spot that they could look a little bit later, day three. Yeah, just to pick it up for that side, I think that the offensive line, when you have a, a quarterback like Watson, who's your franchise, and you said mobile, and he sacked fifth most in NFL history, that's disgusting. That's horrible. I mean, that line has got to be rebuilt, restructured, and a heck of a lot better for Bill O'Brien than it has been. So I would say Chuma Adoga, kid out of USC, good football player. I mean, if he's a second-round pick, he's a good second-round pick for somebody. He's got very can play right tackle, guard, just a heck of a football player. So I think there's offensive linemen you can get in this draft. Uh, Lindstrom, Chris Lindstrom, Boston College, heck of a player. Is he a late one? Is he an early to mid two? We'll see. I think he's a first-rounder caliber player. I do, too. We'll see where he goes. Good football player, Todd. Somebody's going to take him. So I think Drew Samia, Oklahoma. You mentioned all those Oklahoma kids. Samia's a player. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that I think they can pick up. I would be shocked if they didn't draft three offensive linemen within the first five rounds. And I, and I'm, I just think they have to. I mean, this is a team that almost is in a, a situation where you better go out and you have, what, a one, a couple twos, a three. I think three offensive linemen early, and that's that's to keep your, your franchise guy there and ready to go, and a wide receiver at some point, a corner at some point. But, the, like I said, offensive line, you can't – you got to fix that. you got to fix it now. Hey, and guys, you know, there's a model in the division too because – Chris Ballard came into the Colts last year. We're going to talk about them next. But Chris Ballard came in. He had three picks in the top 37, not too far unlike what uh, Houston is facing this year. Quentin Nelson at number six overall. They obviously added another second-round pick when they traded down with the Jets. That turns into Braden Smith. If you think that 62 sacks is a problem, and I think everybody agrees that, there's no reason why you can't just why you can't load up at that position to Mel's point. So 
I mean, that's your future back there. He's still on his rookie contract. You might want to maximize it. Mm-hmm. The Indianapolis Colts. This is crazy. I'm 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 on ESPN.com. Big fan of the site. Big fan of uh, Mel Kiper <laughs> and Todd McShay. And I got Mel's regrades in front of me. And Todd, I'll, I'll let you jump in on this. Mel's new grade for the 2018. Colts draft, which was already graded really high. I gave it a B plus. I know you gave it a B plus. I'm saying new grade involves. I mean, just look at this name. These guys: Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, Braden Smith, Kamoko Ture, Tyquan Lewis, Neam Hines. I mean, Jordan Wilkins, Deion Kane didn't even play. Holy cow, Todd! That's something. And now, you know, they go into this year. They've been relatively. Um, relatively conservative and free agency, saving some cap space. Uh, they got nine picks overall, four in the first three rounds. I mean, you got to be feeling pretty optimistic. And as opposed to last year, when they had to really load up on that offensive line, this year you feel like they could go in a few different directions. Yeah, I do. And I, I think one thing you, you have to keep in consideration is is the switch with Eberflus to um, a four three scheme. With kind of, it's that four three under. With some elements of of the Tampa two cover two type system, so they've they've from a personnel standpoint a little bit different up front. Not a huge shift, but a little bit different. Um, Marcus Hunt is has been a, you know revelation. They've, they've they've made him into a player after Cincinnati. You know he got he was nothing with Cincinnati and, and Hunt. I remember was it Houston Mel? Is that right? Coming out of Houston, SMU, SMU. That's right. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in Texas, um, yeah, I, he had always had a great potential, but was really raw, and you know his situation, his background was was unique, and so he just didn't have a lot of playing experience. But he's finally found a spot, mostly inside for mm-hmm. for the Colts. They've got Jabal Sheard, uh, Danico Autry, Tyquan Lewis, so they've got a, a good core there. But I think you've got to continue on the defensive side. Four three defensive end, like a, you know, another edge rusher, and continue to develop that. I think cornerback continues to be an issue. I know Pierre Desir is is, um, is back, but let's get some depth there. And then I think after that, wide receiver has got to be a, a, you know a, an area that you continue to develop. I know they brought in Devin Funches, Ty Hilton, but who's your three? Do you feel good about your three and four? And if Funches is kind of up and down at times, so you got to make sure that you've got another weapon for uh, for Andrew Luck. So I think wide receiver is probably the biggest need on on that side of the ball, and then continue to upgrade that defense. Yeah, wide receiver to me that's the pressing area. And if you're looking where they are, and you think about where the Colts, you know, in the terms of the uh, the draft late. I'd get a wide receiver. It's A.J. Brown were there. Fine. Deontay Johnson, I talked about from Toledo. Take him in maybe the third round. You know, use the other twos, twos on whatever you want to do in terms of improving your pass rush or corner. But I would go two of those first four picks on wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton, you got, you got to keep him healthy. Obviously, they're asking a lot getting him so involved. You had Funches. Is that a big deal? I don't think so. It'll help, but it's not the ultimate. I would think you would want two receivers mixed in with Funches to really help that wide receiving core and give Andrew Luck more weapons and really get this offense to a point where they can you know, get where they want to go, which is, I think, Boward's building this team to be a Super Bowl winning team. We always thought Luck when he came out of the really We said, has. hey, Andrew Luck, when he was drafted. This, was, this team was a disaster, Mel. Oh, yeah. This, the Colts were a disaster just, what, three years ago? And to turn things around, they had one of the worst rosters in the league. They couldn't even keep their quarterback, who was a superstar, healthy because they were so bad. 
and to turn things around the way that Ballard has, I don't know that there are many guys out there, and I know we've talked a lot about John Dor- Dorsey with Cleveland, and he's done a phenomenal job. There are not many guys in the league that have done as good a job in a short period of time like Chris Ballard has done with the Indianapolis Colts. It really has been a good um, a good case study for aspiring GMs and personnel people and what he's been able to do. Yeah, and I think he worked with Dorsey and, and John, uh, you know, and, and Ballard were together in Kansas City. And mm-hmm. to have John go to Cleveland and then Ballard go to Indy and all of a sudden they're building that. They built Kansas City and now they're the building AFC these championship two teams. Game. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing with, with Dorsey and Ballard and that whole, just the, 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 I think the credibility that they brought and just knowing, having a plan and knowing how to utilize a draft process. And Ballard's done nothing. Funches is all they've done. They haven't lost anybody, but they've only added Funches because he's gearing towards the draft. They had a great draft last year as Cleveland did, two teams with age wrath. No, 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 no mystery why Dorsey and Ballard. So I think you're right. I think we've said when, when Luck was drafted, he's going to win multiple Super Bowls. Well, he hadn't won one yet. Hadn't been to one yet. Now they have kind of the, they're fortifying that talent base to the point where another good draft, they should be one of the favorites uh, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl and overtake the Patriots and be able to get over the hump and, and be able to get into that uh, position where they are one of the elite teams in the NFL. You know what's interesting about this, guys, just to put a cap on this, is they've done all this and they've maintained an interesting ace in the hole. There's a whole bunch of teams that think Jacoby Brissett is an interesting player and a potential starting quarterback. They were able to do all this make all these improvements to the roster, to the offensive line, to the defense, and they they didn't flip that guy for a two, uh, you know, or a two and a five or something like that. But again, I mean, you guys know enough people to know that there's a lot of people that see that guy as a potential future starting quarterback. Well, you can't, so that's just, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great point, Chris. When you have Andrew Luck, you've had injury, a significant yep. injury, where people were questioning what kind of career he would have after that injury with the shoulder. So to have a guy like that, you need that in place. One thing the Colts didn't have with Peyton Manning was a quality backup. Yeah, okay. They didn't have that. And then Peyton was out there and did the great job, Hall of Fame, and out there with luck, he's had injuries. So you need a guy, and you're going to have to maybe rely on that guy to get you through a two, three, four game stretch. If, if Andrew does get hurt, you hope he doesn't, but if it does happen, you need that competent backup. I can't believe we have to end that Colts with all the positivity, and Mel has to take a direct shot at Curtis Painter and Jim Sorgi. That's tough. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans kind of had a, I don't even know if their own fans know that the Tennessee Titans went nine and seven last year, generally good. They gave up 53 fewer points than they had in 2017. Also a good trend, but you know, the division just kind of came up around them. Houston, um, finished strong. And then obviously the, the Indy Colts bounced back. So you have this team that was nine and seven and doing some good things, but they ended up third in their own division. Uh, Todd, they've done some interesting things this offseason. You know, Adam Humphreys, they get somebody that can help him out in the slot. Roger Saffold is is a plug-and-play guard coming over from Los Angeles. And then the most interesting one, too, is they, you know, we talked about it with the Colts, but they, Ryan Tannehill, for whatever you think he is, the second he's your backup quarterback, you you don't worry about your situation as much. If If that's your number two then it's then the depth chart at quarterback is doesn't look as bad as it did the day before. So just looking at this overall, how does this team go from nine and seven to it'll probably take eleven and five to make the playoffs out of this division? Well, it, it's interesting. The, the quarterback thing is all about perspective, right? Right. 
from a fan's perspective, when Mariota continues to kind of be up and down at times and, and nicked up and, and all the things that he's been throughout his career so far, fans are going to want Tannehill to come in. From a GM's perspective or anyone in that personnel department, you're looking at it and saying, you know what, we have a quarterback who's had some issues. We've got to get a guy who also has had some issues in Ryan Tannehill with injuries, a lot of issues, but we've got to get a capable backup. And I think this is huge for the Titans because history is telling us that neither of these quarterbacks, Mariota or Tannehill, is capable of staying healthy for a full season and playing at a consistently high level. Tannehill now comes in. I would argue when they're both at their best, Tannehill's a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. But he has been injured more and has been less reliable than, than Mariota has been. So do two injured quarterbacks equal a, a healthy quarterback? We'll find out. But I, I think that this was a very wise decision by this personnel department. Now, the, the rest of the team, they're, I think offensive line is an issue. I think you know guard specifically is an issue. Um, I think they could add a tight end. I think wide receiver. you got to just put more weapons around the quarterback position. I know Corey Davis started to come into his own, but we need some more, a little bit more depth at wide receiver. Um, your, your tight end in Delaney Walker is, what, 36 years old, I want to say? Or 34 years old. He was injured last season. And so there, I think weapons around him is going to be important. And then I think you've got to find an edge rusher on the defensive side. To me, that's the biggest key is, is getting a guy who can – and I know Cameron Wake is there, but how long can Cameron Wake get it done? So you've got to find the guy that's going to be the replacement for Cameron Wake maybe a year or two from now. He's 37 years old at this point. Yeah, just a sum of it. Chris and I would talk all the time, Todd, as you know, back in the day. Brown and I talked all the, every day. What did I always tell you, Chris? What was the one word? And you thought, what, I was like, hey, he's just a guy, right? He's just a guy. And yeah, there's guys, guys, there's guys. and guys. Yeah, yeah there's, yes. and you say, well, what, what, what do you think of him? I, well, he's a, he's a, he's, he's, he's okay. A he's just like, well, they got a lot of those. They're just guys. They don't have superstars. They got a lot of decent players. If you want to say what a guy, it's decent. Okay, there, nobody jumps out at you at what Corey Davis, top ten pick, got to start making an impact. You can become impact. a guy. And you're making plays. You're starting the show. Somebody's got to evolve and develop into a standout. A big timer who can really light up that scoreboard on a regular basis. They got guys who are decent to good. What you need more is good to great. And I don't see a lot of that on this roster right now. And I think you're right. I think Adam Humphreys, that fits the mold of what, hey, where, where are all these guys from? Head coach GM from New England. And they bring Adam Humphreys in to be that Welker Amendola. Saffold at guard, I get all that. But they got to get some guys on this roster, like we said with Hunt, who developed in Indy, they got to develop some of these guys and get them to step up from maybe a six to an eight, a seven to a nine. Right now, that's going to determine whether they are you know, this decent to average, okay team, or they really become something better than that. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Entering last season, the Jacksonville Jaguars were in the mix as, and I'm not kidding, it's funny because, you know, hindsight's 2020, but they were in, we were talking about this team as an 11 and 5, 12 and 4 type team with arguably the best defense in the NFL. Calais Campbell coming off a defensive player of the year season. Everything was lining up. And then Bortles went back to being bad Bortles and the season kind of went sideways. The defense, um, the defense wasn't where it was in 2017. And Mel, mm -hmm. they have a Super Bowl champion quarterback now. Uh, but I think there might still be some questions there. I mean, 
we, we can joke a little bit about Nick Foles, but it, it's a fair to joke. Like, we literally don't know what's going to happen here when you're asking this guy to play uh, 16 games for you. We don't know what the running game's going to look like, even though we know Leonard Fournette, when blocked for, should be pretty good. I mean, the question marks here all all over the place, even as the talent is also all over the place. What do you see when you're looking at the draft for this team who, you know, by the way, they're they're kind of just that middle-of-the-pack situation. Again, they're drafting relatively high, um, but it's not number one. It's not number two like the old days. Yeah, I, I look at this team and say injuries killed their chances. Yeah. And that's the one thing I don't think we factor in as that enough on evaluating players and certainly this team. Cam Robinson going down, left tackle right away hurt. Mark Heasley, I could go through a list of, they had terrible luck on the injury front. And that's why we talk about all these glowing reports and these expectations on the Browns and others. You have it in place on paper. Football is unfortunately a game of injuries, not baseball, it's not basketball. You're not going to start with the same guys and finish with the same guys you started with. It ain't happening. So you got to have some really good luck on the injury front. They didn't. Wide receiver, they look like they're okay. They should, but not great. Tight end, same thing. You could use some help there. Uh, you know, think about, you know, the offensive line. Obviously there. They got a fifth round pick for Hyde. That didn't work out. That went to Cleveland. Now he's in Kansas City. So some moves like that didn't hit. Fifth round pick. He can't just give it away. And they basically did there for guys not even with their team right now. Is Foles going to be the, the the savior there uh, for a team that felt like they could? And I think Bortles took some un- – I mean, he didn't play well. But when you have all the injuries they did – he was the guy that everybody said, that's the reason. Well, that wasn't the only reason. But now Foles is brought in. And I'm saying this, if you want Foles to be able to transform this team, they got to have, I think, a very solid draft. And that's going to be a variety of positions, Todd, to try to hit on, uh, to try to get this team back to where they were a few years ago. And I think Fournette, what, what is he going to be? When you draft a guy there, you want Zeke Elliott. You want the dominant back. He hadn't been that. But he hasn't been, he wasn't healthy either. So how do, what form does Fournette return to behind what they hope to be more of a talent laden team than it was last year when they had all those injuries? Would you, would you regrade their draft from last year? Taven Bryan, DJ Chark, Ronnie Harrison, safety yeah. from Alabama, mm-hmm. their first three picks in the first three rounds. Yeah, I think it was, it's, it's to be determined. They certainly didn't mm-hmm. get it. You drop it down to a CC plus because Brian is going to be a guy now being asked to do something. Chark, Harrison did play. Will Richardson, we'll see what he's able to do. Jacobs looks like, yeah, we'll see on that. Uh, you know, developing down the road is somewhere else. So I think you look at, and there obviously with the, with the way he can play coming out of Wisconsin. So I think all these guys that they drafted, have to step up this year, and we'll see. I, there are a I, lot I, of potential guys. Yeah, yeah, I dropped their grade, but they could bump back up, like you say. Right now, with Brian Shark, Harrison Richardson, Jacobs, you got you know, you know, players on that team from that draft that are being expected. And that's why they have coaches, Todd, coach these guys and try to develop them in year two. They were rookies, so sometimes year two you, you see more promise out of players. You kind of said, ah, they weren't very good. They didn't do much, and in year two they blossom. It's happened a lot, and I think for the Jaguars, they're going to have to hope it happens with them, and it's going to hope they're going to have to hope to get some impact from this draft. Yeah, and I, I just I look at this team, and there there is talent. There really is. Something was wrong with this team. From the Leonard Fournette stuff, Jalen Ramsey is a stud. He talks a lot. And I think when you're losing and you're talking that much, it, it, it grinds on people, whether it's in the front office or your teammates. But they're, I mean, from, from Yannick to Marcel Darius, Calais Campbell, Telvin Smith, Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, this team has got dudes everywhere. 
on the defensive side, offensively, they need some more weapons and they need to, like you said, get stronger. They've got to get stronger up front on the offensive line. They've got to give, I think, Nick Foles a tight end. You've seen, you saw what he did in, in, um, in Philly with good quality tight end play and being able to spread the ball around and working some of the zone read option stuff. Obviously, they want to focus on running the, the football with Fournette. TJ Yeldon, what is he going to offer them in terms of depth if he, if he's retained? But, um, but I, I think you've got to find a, a weapon at tight end and you've got to, you've got to find a, another wide receiver, even though you spent a second round pick. And you know, uh, last year on on DJ Chark and, and GD Westbrook has a lot of potential coming to the fourth round, twenty seventeen. I think I think wide receiver and tight end are two spots in addition to the offensive line early on that you've got to continue to bolster. Yeah, and if you can, and you touch it, just get guys to just shut up and play football. And mm. and and Jalen, yeah, just play football. It's like Pittsburgh, I mean, man. Yeah, if you want to be an analyst, the last you be an analyst after your career is over. And yeah, you don't need the, you don't need the audition for an analyst role when you're a young kid playing in the NFL and you're not Rod Woodson yet. You're st- you you showed flashes of being a great player, but you got to do it over the long haul. So when you're a 10, 12 year guy, then if you want to talk a little bit fine, but you know, develop that that Put that team in a Super Bowl position, get to a Super Bowl, win it, and then if you want to be an analyst down the road, fine. It'll, you'll evolve into that. But I, this talking before the year, you know, saying this guy's trash, this guy's, I mean, all you do, and the guy comes back and beats you, and, uh, and then you get your teammates saying, what do you, it just creates so many distractions and things you don't need, then the losing and all that. This team at one point was, what, three and three? And then they made, they moved, they made that move at that point. That wasn't the high trade came in. They thought, well, we can make a move here. And do something to help this team and, and maybe get us into the playoffs. So they thought, and I think after that, they went two and eight after being three and three and they made that trade. They went with, I think, two and eight after that. So it's just unraveled too much talking to a couple things, too many injuries and way too much talking. And that led to where they are right now, trying to kind of re- rebuild this team back up to where they hoped they would be a couple years ago. You heard it here, kids become a guy on the football field before you're a guy on Twitter. Mel Kuyper bringing heat. Todd, do you have any advice for the youth of America? Don't listen to Kuiper. <laughs> hey, hey, I think I give some sound advice for those who listen, Todd. You know, the funny Jeez. thing is, Mel, usually you call me midweek and then look at rosters and then be like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? So it's not just <laughs> hey, I, football. Hey, I'm always concerned about McShay and his, his, what he's <laughs> he doing. He still asks me if I'm going to have more kids. Uh, and I'm, 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 medic, medically, I've cleared that up. It is okay, not a possibility. Right, but he's going to ask me every yeah, time I see him to, for the next 15 years. Try to keep my years. friends in line and give them good advice. And yep. Sometimes they choose to listen. Sometimes they tell me I'm an idiot. So I can't win either way. Guys, what a mega mailbag day. A mailbag, if you will. Um, we will be back next week with more mocks in the air and things of that nature. Getting down the stretch here. Five more weeks of this, uh, and then it's summer. Todd can get out the golf clubs and his beard. Not answer those mm. phone calls from Mel for a while. So that's first draft for this week. For myself, Todd, Mel, Josh, exhausting. We'll be doing it again next week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.